I'm assuming that we are live. It is 7.15 a.m. Central Time on Odomini 2023. Good morning. Welcome to the Bear Brief. Jupiter Mojo 5x5. Best audience on planet Earth. Thank you very much. It is the 22nd of November 2023, and we're going to do the brief. Okay, Bear. All right, cool. Good morning to everybody in the chat. What's up, Fluster Cluck? You guys know the drill. Do the YouTube things. If you're not new here, share the show with somebody you love. Ring the little bell icon, thumbs up, all that stuff. If you are new here, don't be a schlub. Subscribe, ring the little bell icon. Comment for the YouTube algorithmic robots, okay? Okay, Bear. Awesome. The show is brought to you by the creator of the universe, Yahuwah, your Elohim. Some of us know him. Some of us don't. Don't matter. He knows you. And of course, it's brought to you by the patrons, patreon.com, link in the description. And it's brought to you by refugemedical.com, for whom I am the founder and chief shill. We'll talk more about refuge later. But I'll tell you right now, um, very scarce, these the bear fact, the bear first aid kit. As of right now, this morning, they're in stock. You know what to do. We're going to talk about uh, more of your taxpayer dollars going to Ukraine. We're going to talk about a potential ceasefire in Israel. We're going to talk about lithium mines in Arkansas. <sighs> the leftists, the greens, which have been infiltrated by the American Communist Party, are super excited that there's lithium to make batteries for EVs out of in Arkansas. And Arkansas is excited because my jobs, my revenue. And we're going to talk about um, Sam Altman leaving OpenAI, ChatGPT for Microsoft. And then now apparently he's back because reasons. So we'll do the written brief first. Then we're going to look at a handful of articles this morning. Okay. Okay. Awesome. The United States Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, made a surprise visit to Ukraine during which he announced a new $100 million military aid package for the country and pledged long-term U.S. support, saying to President Zelensky, quote, the message that I bring you today, Mr. President, is that, you that the United States of America is with you. We will remain with you for the long haul. End quote. Dude, our government might be with you, and they might be with you because they installed you in the first place. They might be with you because we're fighting a proxy war against Russia on your turf. But I don't think the American people are very much so with you. Now, I am pleased to the ex extent that I'm pleased that uh, for the last month or two, military aid that has been supplied to Ukraine has been measured in millions of dollars, not billions of dollars. But I'm still kind of perturbed because um, allegedly the way this representative republic is supposed to work is that we hire people as representatives who represent us in D.C. to function as a a lever that the will of the people can pull or push, depending on how we feel about a situation. That's not how it works anymore, as we've discussed a uh, hundred thousand times at this channel. But um, the people in the really nice suits and wingtip shoes, 
I don't know. They probably wear Converse in the Senate now, for all I know. Anyway, the air quote representatives, they do what they want to do. The politicians do what they want to do. And they take money out of our paychecks, whether you want them to or not, to fund the shenanigans of the federal government. So Lloyd Austin might be with Ukraine. I'm not really with Ukraine. Not that I have anything against the good people in Ukraine. I do have something against $100 million every time we turn around being dropped into the coffers of these uh, politicians in Ukraine that uh, the GAO government accounting office and several independent auditors have said anywhere between 70 and 90% of the money that's been poured into Ukraine has been embezzled, never actually made it to the front lines. Imagine that. We also know, although nobody likes to talk about this because you're not allowed to say the quiet part out loud, that a significant portion of that taxpayer money that has been sent to Ukraine has been siphoned through a number of, you know, bank accounts and shell corps, and then somehow is making its way back into the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Money laundering 101, says PAEMTFF9. Correct. Money laundering 101. <sighs> I'm no fan of that. Shall we continue? Yes, we shall. Last winter, Russia targeted energy infrastructure to make life very hard for Ukrainians and to wear on the morale over the harsh winter. Similar long-range attacks on energy infrastructure is expected this winter, too. Still, the stagnated progress of Ukraine's counteroffensive has done nothing to bolster the flagging support from Western society, especially as the war in the Middle East absorbs most of the current emotional tension. Now, you may remember, um, in February, we will be pushing, uh, we'll, come in, we'll be coming up on the two-year anniversary of the beginning of the war in Ukraine. February 24th, uh, 2022, was when Russia first felt froggy and launched uh, from Russia and Belarus into Ukraine. And there was a lot of conversation, there's been a lot of conversation about infrastructure attacks by the Russians. And especially during winter time, because in that area of the country without heat, you will die. It's, the reason I bring that up is it always warrants a conversation for us as far as your preparedness is concerned. What are you going to do if the power goes out? And I'm not going to give you a laundry list of things that you should do now because they're pretty basic. Um, high points, bullet points. You should be able to heat your home without the grid. However you can, you should have warm clothing. You should have food and water inside of your house, possibly medical supplies, possibly, um, you know, jelly bean launchers and jelly beans, depending on what part of the world you live in, because a lot of y'all live in the wrong part of the world. Comma, um, people tend to behave more badly in the, uh, what's up, Rich? Um, people tend to to behave more badly in the summer than they do in the winter. There's not a lot of uh, high mobility criminals in the winter, especially if you live in the northern tier, because snow is uh, typically a non-permissive environment for shenanigans. But you don't want to freeze to death in your home. Like, remember Texas a couple years ago when the giant fan thing stopped spinning because it got too cold and the Texas grid was on the verge of collapse? Yeah. Yeah. So... Have a way to heat your home. Uh, warm clothing, recommended. Food, water. You boil water in your house without electricity. Why boil water, Bear? Um, it's a basic human skill. Can't make coffee without hot water. 
uh, a lot of your freeze-dried prepper foods or your dried goods, you know, need to boil water in order to be able to eat it. Um, it's a medical thing, boiling water yeah, for disinfection and irrigation of wounds. Don't use boiling water for irrigating wounds, but you need to be using sterile water for irrigating wounds, etc., etc., etc. Why did we let China buy ERCOT? Oh, RL, RL, probably because all of our politicians are bought and paid for. BRICS, the international organization formed by Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, has called for an end to the war in Gaza. The chair's summary said, quote, we condemned any kind of individual or mass forcible transfer and deportation of Palestinians from their own land, end quote. Cool. Condemn it all you want. That stuff's probably going to happen whether you like it or not. Just like I don't like the fact that my taxpayer money is going to Ukraine, but it's happening anyway. His opening statements included saying that Israel's actions were, quote, in clear violation of international law and that the consequences suffered by the Palestinian people amounted to a war crime tantamount to genocide, end quote. Well, maybe then don't have Hamas invade Israel on the highest holy day of the year, 7 October 23, the great eighth day of the festival of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Tabernacles, the festival of ingathering, the day of indwelling. It's got all these different monikers, but it's the holiest day on the religious calendar. And, you know, 12 to 1400 Hamas assholes cross the border and target women and children and the elderly. You reap what you sow, and um, there, see, there's been a, a movement since World War II from large-scale conventional warfare, third-gen warfare, guns and tanks and bombs and planes, towards um, limited conflict. We can argue whether or not that's worked out so well, but we haven't dropped any more nuclear weapons since, uh, what was it, August 6th and August 9th, 1945, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I know some of you weirdos are in the chat are going to be like, nuclear weapons aren't real. Whatever, dude. Whatever we dropped, it worked really well. Okay. It's not genocide if your population doubles in 15 years, says Tomer Klein in the chat. Well... That's a different conversation. My point is, limited regional conflict, um, almost like a pressure relief valve, that rather than having widespread global warfare um, to the scale of a world war, it seems like the big they have been shooting for smaller, more regional conflicts. Now, the Vietnam War was not a small conflict as far as the United States is concerned, nor was the Korean War, nor was, uh, you know, the first Gulf War. We kicked a bunch of ass in the first Gulf War and then global war on terror, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the war in Ukraine, Ukraine's not that big of a place. And we've got the United States and Russia duking it out in Ukraine. That's a proxy war. And that's a small, more or less localized regional conflict between two air quote superpowers. One of the things that I think is interesting is that two superpowers haven't wiped each other off of the map yet, pushing two, two years of warfare, when allegedly both Russia and the United States are capable of destroying the entire world with their arsenals. And... Per the talking points of the Big Bay, 
I don't know about, I don't recommend you subscribe to um, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, but I get an email every day from the WEF. Not that I support them. I want to know what they're up to. Um, and the WEF, as well as many others, you know, the Council on Foreign Relations and the 300 and blah, blah, blah. They're all in support of, to the extent they're in support of conflict, they're in support of smaller regionalized conflict, which gets back to what's happening in Israel with Hamas. That's a localized regional conflict between two players. The concern is that it's going to blow up into a larger, potentially worldwide conflict between multiple players. I don't know that it will. The United States has a lot of firepower in the area, and the Muslim world, while it's done a lot of saber rattling, hasn't used its saber very much. There's not a lot of other countries thus far that have flocked to the cause of Hamas and the Palestinians in order to uh, wipe Israel off the map. You know, from the, what's that? From the mountains to the sea, Palestine must be free or some garbage like that. That's not been happening. Doesn't mean that it couldn't, but it's not been happening. And so hopefully for us, being super duper selfish American outsiders perspective looking in, it stays contained to that small region of the Middle East. River to the sea. Thanks, Wisconsin farm boy. Yeah, I'm my uh my Muslim propaganda is low. I apologize. Shall we continue? Of course we shall. Outside of BRICS, China has called for urgent action on the Gaza issue and has played host to the leaders of majority Muslim nations this week. The country does appear to be eager to paint itself as a peace broker for the Middle East while accusing the West of meddling. While China is aiming for the expansion of its global power, State Department spokesperson Matt Miller told reporters in Washington this week that the U.S., quote, would welcome China playing a constructive role in the Middle East, end quote. That sentiment is probably coming on the heels of the meeting between two communist dictators, uh, Xi Jinping and Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, that occurred, was it Monday? It's been super duper busy around here, y'all. So it was either earlier this week or in the last week. It was over the weekend that Xi was in California. So we'll just say Monday-ish. These two communist dictators got together and basically just like mouth vomited, word vomited love all over each other about how great China is and how great America is and our joint future going ahead together that we could be BFFs and like do commerce and stuff and not wipe each other off the map. And it could just be rhetoric. It probably is rhetoric because like the Richter, Richter said in the chat, war equals profit, 100%. Hegelian dialectic. Some people have said this is a feint by China to lull the United States into um, a sense of comfortability before China takes over the world. I lean more in the direction currently that if China could take over the world, they would have done it by now. Uh, because the timeline, there's not a better timeline for China. There hasn't been since I've been alive. The United States is about as weak as it has been since I've been alive. Uh, the world is pretty damn unstable. And China, uh, per the propaganda, is doing super duper wonderful. But economically, <clears throat> they're not. Their economy is on the verge of collapse. And so I think if China could jump, they would have jumped by now. 
I don't think that they're capable of jumping currently, which might explain the change in posture between Xi Jinping and the United States that, oh, we should be friends. Because maybe they can't take us in a war. Maybe they just don't want the smoke in the South China Sea. Plus, remember, the Marine Corps has been restructuring for littoral combat for the last several years. And I can tell you, uh, insider information, which I've told you a hundred times already this year, the DLA, which is the Defense Logistics Agency, which works for the DOD, it's a part of the Department of Defense, their job is to buy stuff. They have a $150 billion plus per year budget, the DLA does, and they buy all the soft goods, you know, uniforms and web gear and blowout kits and, and everything. They buy everything. And the DLA has been outfitting the Marine Corps with 4X everything, whatever they need. At last count, there was something like 235,000 of Uncle Sam's misguided children. And the DLA has been buying in units of 1.1 million for everything. Are they stocking up? Apparently. For what? Because there's going to be a million people in the Marine Corps or just because they want to have some back stock? I don't know. But it's definitely an indicator. Yeah, Infantry 91. I would recommend buying stock in Crayola and Rosart because if there's a million Marines running around out there, crayons are going to get scarce. Also, if you have young children, I would stock up on those now because, um, you know, we don't want the jarheads to eat all of them because it's true. The purple ones taste like grape. Well, seemingly small but potential crucially development, crucial development is that the Iran-backed Yemen rebels attacked a ship tied to Israel in the Red Sea on Sunday. The vessel is registered with a British company that is partially owned by an Israeli and it was leased out to a Japanese company at the time of the attack. In isolation, this incident doesn't mean much, but the implications of the advancing capabilities and targeting of the Houthis is a whole different matter. In fact, analysts believe that if things escalate in the Red Sea, it could lead to the eruption of war on the seas. It must be noted that the Red Sea has a bottleneck of a strait stretching only 18 miles across. The Sufan Center, an independent nonprofit research center focused on global security and foreign policy, said, quote, significant Houthi interference with commercial shipping through the strait is almost certain to trigger U.S. intervention due to the political and potentially economic implications. Good morning, Sarah and everybody else in the chat. Rage against the machine. Good morning. The Houthis and the blowfish. Thank you, Rich. Rich is feeling froggy this morning. At the time of this writing, Israel and Hamas are the closest are closest to reaching some kind of truce agreement since the October 7th attack. Qatar, 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 uh, depending on who you are and where you're from and what decade you grew up in, is mediating between the two groups. And the Biden administration is reportedly, quote, deeply involved. An Israeli cabinet meeting will be held, uh, was held yesterday. For discussion and a vote, it is expected that the deal will lead to the release of some hostages and prisoners on both sides, the entrance of 300 aid trucks into Gaza from Egypt, and some delays of some days of a ceasefire. In the second phase of the deal, specifically, Israel may be able to exchange a day of ceasefire for every 10 hostages released by Hamas. On Tuesday, before the vote, that was yesterday, 
Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said, quote, we are making some progress on the release of hostages. I hope we will have good news soon. And that is the written brief. We'll go to some articles about what was in the brief. Sound good? Okay. All right. Sounds good, Bear. Cool. So, from, uh, I don't know why this camera keeps auto-focusing for reasons, because the sun... I know why. It's that ball of fire in the sky over there. Okay, Bear. Thanks, visual evidence. From RT, uh, Russia Today, propaganda. Yes, we know propaganda. Israel's hostage deal with Hamas. What we know so far. The Israeli government has agreed to, to a deal that will secure the release of 50 hostages abducted by Hamas during the group's October 7th attack. According to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, in exchange, Israel Israeli forces will briefly pause operations to allow aid into the besieged Gaza enclave. Israel's cabinet voted in favor of the agreement early this morning with Netanyahu outlining the basic details of the first stage of the deal in a brief statement. At least 50 hostages, women and children, will be released over four days, during which a pause in the fighting will be held, the Prime Minister said adding that for every additional 10 hostages freed, Israel would pause operations for one more day. However, Netanyahu stressed that his country would, quote, continue the war in order to return home all of the hostages, complete the elimination of Hamas, and ensure that there will be no new threat to the state of Israel from Gaza, end quote. All of Israel's security agencies, the IDF, Shin Bet, and Mossad, reportedly voiced support for the arrangement. The leadership of the Palestinian militant group Hamas issued a statement on its official Telegram channel announcing what it dubbed a ceasefire from both parties. It added that Israel had agreed to suspend military flights over southern Gaza for the duration of the pause and limit air operations in the northern portion of the enclave. The cessation of hostilities would allow humanitarian aid to reach all parts of Gaza, it said. The group also claimed that 150 Palestinian women and children currently held in Israeli custody would be freed as part of the deal, although the Israel side did not confirm a specific number. Quote, the provisions of this agreement were formulated according to the vision of the resistance and its determination, determinants that aim to serve our people and enhance their steadfastness in the face of aggression, the Hamas statement said. And there's more blah, blah, blah from there. There's an interesting tactic, though, that happens a lot of times with... Uh, agreements like this that have been hammered out behind uh, closed doors where Israel says, um, hey, we'll give you 10 bucks, right? And then Hamas is like, okay, deal. And then Hamas takes to their Telegram page and says, Israel has agreed to give us $100 and um, to shine our shoes and to make sure that there's toilet paper in all of our bathrooms. And then Israel's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't, that's not what we agreed to. And then Hamas says something like, oh, so you're going back on the deal. No, what you reported initially wasn't the deal in the first place. That happens a lot, um, especially by mm, non-nation state bad actors, aka terrorist groups. So that's something to be aware of. In the coming days, if you hear things like Israel has gone back on its deal, was it the deal that Israel actually agreed to, or was it the deal that was reported by second, third, fourth parties? So, something to be aware of. 
Starfish has a great song in the chat. Turkey for me, turkey for you. Tastes better than Elmer's glue. True. The new anthem of the Bear Nation. Um, we shot one of our bourbon red toms in the face with a 20 gauge yesterday. And then cut its head off with an axe. And then uh, cleaned it down at the gazebo. And it's in my refrigerator chilling so that my wife can put it in the oven tomorrow morning. Which is pretty cool. Um, I know it sounds barbaric, right? It's it's definitely way more barbaric than going to Walmart and pulling a butterball out of the freezer section. So, uh, what was the weight? That's a great question, Season. I didn't actually weigh it, but it feels like a 12 to 14 pound bird dressed out. Um, they look huge. Uh, they're heritage breeds, and so they look huge, but they're not that big. They're mostly fluff. They look like a 35 pound turkey. And then when you uh, pluck them, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a big chicken. So um, when you ax your turkey, it's the last question. Yeah, I axed it. Um, but uh, let's see. A couple years ago, we did a broad-breasted white, which is very similar to the breed that you will find in the grocery store. And um, that Tom dressed out at 35 pounds so two and a half to three times the weight of the one that we've got in the uh in the fridge right there chilling um but we don't need a giant turkey and the cool thing about the bourbon reds uh, we've got a lot of bourbon reds and we've got a lot of heritage turkey all of our current turkey flock is heritage breeds they are excellent foragers I've never fed a turkey, like never. They eat whatever they can find. They eat the grain that falls out of the, you know, the cow feed and the sheep feed, and they eat bugs and seeds and all the other things that turkeys do. Turkeys in general are really good foragers, but the heritage breeds are excellent foragers. I have never fed this turkey, not one time. And it was gorgeous, good fat content, good healthy looking bird. Um, and so... My broad-breasted hens usually dress out to about 21 pounds. Exactly, Rich. No, this is a Tom. Tom Ulrich. Uh, it's a Tom. A boy boy turkey. Um, and he got some 20-gauge uh, number 8 with an extreme choke to the top of his head from a distance of 5 to 7 yards. And it was lights out, bro. So... Yeah, there's, it's a cool thing about living on a homestead. When you get hungry, you just walk outside and go, I think I'm going to eat you today. Yeah. Speaking of yous, I almost had my wife talked into just doing a sheep for Thanksgiving. But grandma preferred a turkey for Thanksgiving. Thus, the Tom had to get some. You know, the real news, the reason you're here. Forget Israel and Hamas. Let's talk about turkeys in the fridge. Another thing I wanted to touch on this morning um, is a lithium mine or a series of mines that will be developed in Arkansas. Now, I have my own pet theory about this. I think at some point in the distant past, a bunch of rednecks who lived in Kansas got into a fight with a bunch of other rednecks who lived in Kansas and they left and they went uh, into Oklahoma and then went east until they ended up in Arkansas. And I said, this is Arkansas now. 
and that's how Arkansas got its name. Because um, Kansas is in of itself kind of a ridiculous name, says the guy who lives in Oklahoma, which literally in Indian means land of red people. That's not me being racist. That's literally what it means. And I can say that because I'm a quarter Cherokee Choctaw and Creek. So I love that when people are like, shut up, colonizer. I'm like, bro, trail of tears. Kiss my ass. Anyway, um, Arkansas, but don't even pronounce it as Arkansas. Arkansas. What's the, what, why does it have another S on the end? Anyway, it's retarded. Um, but in Arkansas, there are, uh, well, I'll read you the article first. This is from corporate.exxonmobil.com. ExxonMobil, drilling first lithium well in Arkansas, aims to be leading supplier for electric vehicles by 2030. ExxonMobil Corporation today announced plans to become a leading producer of lithium, a key component of electric vehicle batteries. Work has begun for the company's first phase of North America lithium production in southwestern Arkansas, an area known to hold significant lithium deposits. The product offer will be branded as Mobile Lithium, building on the rich history of deep technical partnership between mobile and the automotive industry. Blah, blah, blah. Lithium is essential for the energy transition, and ExxonMobil has a leading role in paving the way for electrification. Blah, blah, blah. In early 2023, ExxonMobil acquired the rights to 120,000 gross acres of the Smackover Formation in southern Arkansas considered one of the most prolific lithium resources of its type in North America. South Arkansas is our state's all-around energy capital, producing oil, natural gas, and now thanks to investments like ExxonMobil and their combination of skills and scale, lithium, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders said. My administration supports an all-of-the-above energy strategy that guarantees good, high-paying jobs for Arkansas and will continue to cut taxes and slash red tape to make that happen. <clears throat> blah, 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 blah. Essentially, what they're doing is they're drilling wells that are deep wells, like 10,000 foot wells that have water and or salt, salt water in them. They're pulling the water to the surface, extracting the lithium out of that water, and then pumping the delithiumized, that's a word I just made up, water back into the same hole. Yeah, apparently there's ads on live streams, guys. I'm not in charge of uh, YouTube. Occasionally, if I'm paying attention, I can hit the button to stop the ad, but I wasn't paying attention, so apologies. Um, now, literally just got an ad. Damn YouTube. Yeah, I, I apologize. Now, here's the thing I want to point out. A lot of people on the left and the greenies are all about the environment. And that's why we need to have electric vehicles. Well, there's a couple of facts that get in the way. There's a lot of facts that get in the way when it comes to uh, the green movement. The first is, now I don't know if this is the case anymore, but when I was in doing, uh, in the wind industry, doing turbines and to a lesser extent, extent solar, the numbers one, two, and three developers of renewable energy in North America, subsidized with your taxpayer dollars, were, are you ready? Who built the most wind? ExxonMobil, British Petroleum, BP, and Dutch Shell. 
Okay. ExxonMobil, BP, and Shell. Numbers one, two, and three. Developers of wind energy subsidized with your taxpayer dollars. They are not oil companies. And they haven't been oil companies for a long time. They are energy companies. Who gave them that money? George Bush Jr. And then that relationship continued into the Obama years. And I can only imagine it's still ongoing. Okay. So every time we put up a wind turbine, every time they're taking taking your taxpayer money and giving it to one of these gigantic multinational energy corporations who is also getting at the time anyway a 30 percent tax break to stand up one of these giant fan things that uh, only works when the wind is blowing so that's the first thing it's kind of a sticking point when it comes to renewable energy green energy the second thing that a lot of people don't want to talk about. I've read the white papers. If we took every ounce of lithium on planet Earth that we know of, every known bit of lithium on planet Earth, all of it, and we used it only for batteries for the North American grid, that's it. Not the rest of the world, just here in the Estados Unidos. We would have, we used the entire planet's lithium for just battery backup, for just the North American grid. We would have almost four hours of battery backup for the North American grid. Right now, we have, are you ready for this? Four minutes of battery backup for four minutes. And if we took, based upon our current lithium ion technology, all the lithium on planet Earth and used it just for batteries for the grid, we'd have four hours of backup. Now, I don't know where you live, but where I live, even in the summer when the days are really long, um, the night is longer than four hours. Yeah. And we don't have all the lithium. A lot of it's in Africa. A lot of it's being used by the Chinese. So can't boil a pot of water in four minutes, right? RL, RL. So, oh, and here's another little tidbit. Um, the National Association of Power Pole Producers, the NAPPP or something like that recently told the Biden administration it's not possible to produce all the power poles required to upgrade the grid that would be required to produce all the power that would be required for all the electric vehicles that they're trying to sell. There are not enough trees that meet specification in North America, in the United States and Canada. There are not enough trees that meet specification to produce the power poles to upgrade the grid, to run all these electric vehicles. And so the North American Association of Power Pole Producers told the Biden administration, you may need to consider uh, steel monopoles rather than wooden poles. 
I don't know if you guys know anything about steel, but um, we don't go to the, the quarry and dig up metal power poles. We don't go to the woods and cut down metal power poles. They have to be smelted and formed and then shipped. Not very green. Jake White says fiberglass. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Not a lot of torsional strength in fiberglass. Some, but not a lot. I mean, they do use it for turbine blades. But what about the tens of thousands of wind turbine blades that as uh, wind turbine farms projects are being upfitted and retrofitted, we have tens of thousands of wind turbine blades that we have nothing to do with. And they have a service life as well, about 20 years. A good class two power pole, a yeah, service life of 50 years. So my point is, it's given current technology, it's not actually possible to do any of the things that the Biden administration and Greta Thunberg and all these other assholes are saying we must do. Also, if we cut down a bunch of trees, trees produce what? Carbon dioxide. They breathe what? Oxygen. We're currently at 450 parts per million CO2. Historically, the Earth has operated somewhere around 2,300 parts per million of CO2 and 150 million parts, 150 parts per million is the minimum requirement to sustain life on Earth. And these satanic assholes are trying to drive down the amount of CO2 on the Earth. Because life will cease to exist without it. So what happens if we cut down millions more trees to make power poles with? And tell me how that fits into the green agenda, anybody. Okay? See what I mean? So don't... Not that many of us here believe the propaganda anyway, but just don't. The numbers don't add up. And uh, this giant lithium mine that's going to be put in in Arkansas for renewable energy is owned by Exxon Mobil. Just so we're all tracking. Cool. Uh, big stretch. Imagine how good my meters would look if we had 2,300 parts per million CO2. Exactly, Kyle M. Exactly. Why did we have giant, giant trees back in the day? 2,300 parts per million. Huge abundance. 2,300 parts per million. Yep. Bear has periodic table dyslexia this morning. Yeah, it happens. I'm asleep. Yes. Trees produce oxygen. People and animals produce CO2. But without people and animals, we don't get CO2. Without trees, we don't get oxygen. You're right. Big white pines are my friends. Here's an interesting anecdote. Do you know why in the Northeast, a lot of the old colonial and uh, pre-revolutionary homes have extremely wide extremely wide pine flooring planks in them. Do you know why? It's because pre-revolution, the British Navy decided that those big, tall, white pines, red pines, could only be sold to the British Navy 
to build warships with because they were the only trees that had the appropriate specification for masts for the British Navy. And so our colonial ancestors said, um, F you, Mr. British King guy, we're going to cut them down and make floorboards out of them so we can walk all over you. And so a lot, a lot of those pine trees were cut down and harvested for building materials uh, as a big middle finger to the British Navy so that they couldn't be weaponized against the Americans. Yeah. Oh, congrats, Badger. Congrats. Yes, Barry is having periodic table dyslexia this morning. Trees produce CO2, people produce, uh, or I'm sorry, trees produce oxygen, people produce CO2. My point is, we need more CO2 in the air. <clears throat> and we don't have enough trees to make power poles. Okay, all right. Turmoil at OpenAI. This is coming from TheVerge.com. Now that Sam Altman is coming back, what's next for the creators of ChatGPT? After some haggling, it's official. Sam Altman is returning to his post as CEO of OpenAI. On the 17th of November, OpenAI's board abruptly announced that co-founder and CEO Sam Altman was out effective immediately. After weekend talks to restore Sam Altman to his post fell apart, former Twitch boss Emmett Shear will now be the new interim CEO of OpenAI. Then hundreds of OpenAI employees, including former interim CEO Mira Moradi and a board member Ilya Sutskever, signed a letter saying that they would leave the company for jobs at Microsoft unless Altman is reinstated. Now there's an agreement in principle for Altman's return to OpenAI, along with President Greg Brockman. The deal also includes a new set of board members, which sources indicate will include representation from Microsoft. The shakeup comes just shy of one year after the launch of ChatGPT, which quickly entered mainstream conversation, became one of the fastest growing apps in history, and initiated an industry-wide race to build regenerative AI tools and hardware to power them. At OpenAI's first developer conference just a week before his ouster, Altman said the service had over 100 million weekly users and more than 2 million developers were building on the company's APIs. So, Sam Altman, uh, CEO of OpenAI, which created ChatGPT, left. And now he, he was going to Microsoft and a bunch of the people at OpenAI said, us too, we're also going to Microsoft. And then uh, the board at OpenAI was like, oops, we might have made an oopsie. Some of them stepped down. And now the board is being reconstituted with members from Microsoft as Sam Altman comes back from Microsoft, where he was going to take a job, to CEO, again, of OpenAI. Why do I care? Well, I think that AI has the potential to be really, really dangerous. And I don't like the fact that now Microsoft is embedded in ChatGPT, a.k.a. OpenAI. What does that mean for us? I don't know yet, but I don't trust Bill Gates, man. I don't trust Gates at all. And I know he's not directly tied to Microsoft anymore. It's like saying I'm not tied to Refuge Medical. <laughs> yeah, I don't handle the day-to-day -day operations. Doesn't mean I don't have some pull when I walk into that office. 
Rich Dollars, did you ever figure out what that weird stuff was you were seeing in the sky through the night vision goggles? My nods. No. No, Rich, and we don't talk about that in Gen Pop, man. That's a Patreon conversation. Yeah. So, um, just a little little earworm for you. Microsoft is now literally embedded in the board structure of OpenAI. And a bunch of the people who were working at OpenAI were going to go work at Microsoft uh, unless Sam came back. And Sam came back and they came back, but Microsoft came back with them. So, something to keep your eyeballs on. Okay. All right. That's the show for today. Thank you for bearing with my uh, less than uh, stellar conversation this morning as I am not fully caffeinated. But um, I will be soon. And here shortly, I've got to go uh, hop on a piece of heavy equipment at Caleb House and go move dirt because um, we will not forsake the widow or the orphan. Now, if you're one of those people that jumps off when it's time to discuss the value exchange, I bid you adieu. Have a blessed day. Have a happy turkey day. Beep, beep, skedaddle. Get out of here. Have a blessed day. Shalom. Okay. Okay. All right. For everybody else, um, links in the description for all this stuff. You guys know the drill. Patreon.com, best 10 bucks you can spend on the internet. Uh, I've been doing a lot of videos lately with the permaculture professionals at Polyface Farms, including walking the property and illustrating the principles being used by Daniel Salatin, who operates Polyface Farms. So we've got some uh, really good videos up on Patreon with Daniel Salatin from Polyface uh, this morning talking about pastured poultry and turkeys, which is interesting because tomorrow Turkey Day. And uh, on Monday, talking about rotational grazing of bovines, cows on their property and how they do it. And so if you're interested in being able to produce food when the world ends, or maybe even today, so that you can like put your own turkey in the fridge rather than buying one from Tyson or Growers Pride or whatever, um, hey, what's up, NWA Prepper? Shalom, bro. All that stuff is at Patreon. Um, there are significantly more videos and way more in-depth faith preparedness and homesteading videos at Patreon than there are here on YouTube because um, algorithms, bro. So check that out. Refuge Medical. Uh, Bear facts are in stock currently. This is the bear fact. There are many like it, but this one is mine. This one is red with reflective. HSA and FSA eligible always. And so if you're one of those people that has an HSA or an FSA, I recommend you use it before it runs out and they take that money back from you. Yeah, because that was your money. And uh, if you don't spend it within the allotted time frame, they take it back from you. And so we can take HSA and FSA at the store at refugemedical.com. Now, these are becoming increasingly harder and harder to get because of global conflict and because of the Defense Logistics Agency and because of myriad other reasons that we've discussed here in the past. Um, so if you don't have one yet or you need another one, check them out, refugemedical.com, as well as components. Like if you need tourniquets, pressure bandages, um, potassium iodide, uh, Sam splints, all the things. We've got all the things at the store as well. Now, um, you may be aware that tomorrow is Turkey Day 
here in the United States of America. And as such, tonight at five o'clock, the refuge store is going dark. Then tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., the refuge store will be back up again. And that is when our Black Friday sale is going live. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. When I say sale, I don't mean you're going to get a significant percentage off because we operate this company at a 5% realized profit margin. The reason we do that is because I want good people to be able to get their hands on the best kits on planet Earth. And I want to pay the people inside of the organization a really good living wage. Unlike a lot of other companies that source their shit from China that's literally made with slave labor, we make stuff here in the United States. And I think there's a lot of companies that do Black Friday promotions, Cyber Monday promotions, all of that. And it's garbage. It's a slap in the face to their customers who paid full value last week. And then this week it's 30, 40, 50% off. Well, that tells me that you have 50% headroom in your product pricing, AKA you've been ripping people off all year. We don't. In fact, we've been battling to keep prices low, not because our costs have been going up and going up and going up. And we haven't been raising our prices over and over and over again. And so when I say Black Friday sale, I don't mean that our product is going to be at a reduced price like every other asshole company out there. I mean that there will be some products that you can't normally get that will be for sale starting tomorrow at 10 a.m. Okay. Just to uh, manage your expectations. Now, do you do Christmas bonuses? Oh, Brenda. Oh, Brenda. You haven't been around here very long, have you? Um, okay. Tomorrow, starting at 1000, Black Friday goes live at the store. You'll be able to get first come, first serve. Anybody, 10 a.m. Central, correct. Gnomes, thank you, James McKee. Somebody's paying attention out there. What do you mean gnomes? If you don't know, you don't know. It's a test. Um, starting tomorrow, 10 a.m. Central. You spend more than 250 bucks, you'll get a free boogie with your order. What's the boogie? It's a little compact, $30 super compact first aid kit that I developed. That's a great, uh, keep it in your purse, keep it in your glove box, throw it in your backpack, throw it in your kid's backpack, first aid kit. That if you know what you're doing, will hand a, handle massive bleeds, airway, respiratory, as well as boo-boos. Little tiny compact kit. Um, that's the boogie. And so the first first come, first serve, first hundred people, uh, you spend more than 250, you get a free boogie. Additionally, tomorrow, Black multicam kits will go live. Now, we typically only run black multicam once per year. And so for you black multicam nerds out there, yes, I'm talking to you. We will have black multicam kits tomorrow. I mean Thursday, Lugnut. Today's Wednesday. Tomorrow, Thursday, Turkey Day, 10 hundred hours central. Black multicam kits go live. If you have a lady in your life that you're concerned about 
carrying a first aid kit, but they don't like ballistic nylon and red or copy or multicam or marpat or gray or black or ranger green. The badass ladies at Refuge have selected two different colors for ladies, one of which is a really nice royal purple color, which my wife loves. So select kits will be available in purple tomorrow. They will also be available in what we're calling white beach party, or it's a blue and white floral pattern as well. Um, and Liberty is saying that surgical buckets are back in stock now. So if you've been on the waiting list for a surgical bucket, you've been trying to get one, but they're out of stock, they're back in stock now. That would be something I would get today before sundown. Okay. Now, starts 10 a.m. tomorrow morning central. That runs through Friday the 24th. Sundown Friday, Shabbat, so the store will be closed. Then on the 26th, the store will reopen Saturday night, and it'll be back to first 100 orders, get a boogie, over 250. And the ankle fact will be available for pre-order. And multi-cam, multi-cam Monday. That's our Cyber Monday deal. So we'll have our what Bob is calling multi-cam madness. And we'll be launching Kydex tourniquet holsters. So, and Liberty says, you can see the new girl patterns on the boo-boo kit listing. So that's what we're doing for Black Friday. In other words, you need to be looking at the store tomorrow after 10 a.m. Central, they're doing a huge product drop. And then Sunday, another huge product drop. So unlike a lot of other companies that are going to take their shit and mark it down 30, 40, 50% because it was trash to begin with, we're not reducing our prices because our prices are all already as low as we can get them and maintain a 5% realized profit margin. We are giving you more options, okay? Um, and a lot of y'all, I'll show you the ankle kit. How are you going to do that, Bear? Well, it just so happens I have an ankle, and I have an ankle kit. Look, an ankle kit, and look at this. You ready? It's stretchy. It flexes. Why does that matter? Because if you're wearing this thing around all day, every day, you want it to give a little bit. This one, I've been wearing for a month of T&E, and Bob wore it for a couple weeks before that. So this has six weeks of use on it, and it looks like it's new. And this has in it, in this pocket here, and you can get these loaded or unloaded, bag-only option. So I've got my flat duct tape, I've got my gloves in here, right here, and I've got my compressed gauze for wound packing as well in here. That first little pouch. The second pouch has a soft tea tourniquet and a decompression needle in it. You can see the top of it right there. Soft tea decompression needle, Sharpie, right? And then in this pouch right here, Velcro closure tabs, the whole nine. In this pouch right here, we have an S-Mark bandage, pressure bandage, 
juvenile tourniquet, um, a five by nine gauze pad folded up and a pair of halo chest seals. So on my ankle, I've got massive bleeding in both tourniquet form and wound packing. I've got airway and respiratory as far as chest seals, needle decompression. Uh, and I can treat minor lacerations and I've got duct tape because it rules the universe on my ankle. Look how thin this is too, by the way. And you can add combat gauze to this. You can fit combat gauze in this pocket. You don't even know it's there. So, and again, main feature of this that I love is it's got some stretch to it. So when you're fit inside cowboy boots, no, it doesn't go inside boots. It goes around your boot on the outside. Let's see if I can do this. Any plans to make it back to PA? Not currently. You guys ready? Let's see if we can do this. Ta-da! See that? Look at that leg. See that? Like that. It goes around your boot. Origin loggers, ankle flack, covert thread socks, origin pantaloons, true spec marpat, combat top. Uh, and it weighs uh, a pound. A pound. Okay. So. <laughs> ow, 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 throws money at screen. What did people do before duct tape? Well, you know, you can actually tie the advance of civilization to the advance of duct tape. They, they track together. That's actually not true, but it sure sounds true, doesn't it? So that's what we got going on with uh, Refuge Medical. So check that out. Refuge Ruckus, uh, if you want to come to Fort Smith, Arkansas and ruck with me to raise awareness for Caleb House, raise funds for Caleb House, come see us, refugeruckus.com, uh, grindstoneministries.com, Caleb House t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, our brother Saw's Facts Not Feeling shirt, our brother Rex's The Real Dope shirt, proceeds of which go to benefit Caleb House, links are in the description, mooserunncoffee.com, the grindstone blend goes to benefit grindstone which is building caleb house which is our juvenile restoration uh, human trafficking survivor restoration facility it's the place where we put kiddos back together again um you guys know all this stuff so check it out uh and please don't forget giving tuesday next week that's the day after monday of next week um if the spirit convicts you caleb house could really use your help okay White Fox will be at the Ruckus. Awesome. Go get that dozer humming bear. I'm about to, Kim. But first, we're going to talk to the most high. Okay. I don't care if anybody thinks it's okay or not. Because I'm going to. And it's my show. And I get to do what I want. And I want to talk to the man upstairs. Oh, good morning, Father Yah. You are awesome and amazing. Thank you for letting us wake up this morning. Thank you for the air in our lungs. Father, this world is such a screwy place. And so I pray that you just keep us in line with you. That you would be in the forefront of our mind. That our eyes would be set on you. That our heart would be set on you. That our ears would be tuned to you. That our hands and feet would be used to do the things. Do the things that make you smile, Father. Please keep our attention pointed towards you. That we would be in the world 
not of the world, that we would be sanctified, set apart, holy from this world. But Father, please don't remove us fully from it so that we have an opportunity to let our life be a witness for you, that our lamp would be lit and that it would shine forth before men, that when they see us, they see you, Father. And so use us as you see fit. And please don't overwhelm us because we're fragile. Sometimes we lack endurance. Sometimes we lack faith. Sometimes it's just freaking uncomfortable, Dad. And so build us up that we might do your work, that we might build your kingdom here and be your hands and feet, do many mighty works in your name. Father, thank you for the opportunity to teach the world about you. Father, I pray that you'd bless all these people today. I pray that you'd smile upon them. You okay? All right. You want to pray with me? Here, give me your little hand. Good morning, honey. Father, yeah, thank you even for this. Father, be indwelt in our homes. Let us lead our families. Be righteous men of you. To fear nothing but you. To put 10,000 to flight. Thank you for brethren. Thank you for awesome sisters. Father, thank you for all of your myriad blessings. Father, if there's anything within the sound of my voice that's not of you, I rebuke it in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach and command it to destroy itself. Put a hedge around all these people that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Give us strength and power and authority in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Pour out your Ruach HaKodesh for wisdom and discernment. Father, bless us with endurance. And please deliver us peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, I lift up all these people to you. And I lay them at your feet. And ask that you would bless them, provide for them, and protect them this day. I ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, honey. Morning. You want to say bye to the people? Bye. 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 Shalom, people. Yeah. Have a happy turkey day. We'll see you when we see you. Dad, well, we were praying.